Welcome to Talking Pictures Trivia as we venture into our sub-series, Talking TV Trivia. Whenever there's a TV show that catches our attention, this podcast picks a season and explores each episode through trivia. I'm today's host, KJ, and with me is... Tom. Nick. And I'm Chris. For those joining us for the first time, we start off each episode with four rapid-fire trivia questions. The first question is worth one point, and each question after that is worth one more point. Then we follow it up with a theme discussion associated with this TV episode. In this case, involving season one of Disney's Obi-Wan Kenobi. Chris, tell us about today's TV episode. Today we'll be discussing episode three of the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. This episode was directed by Deborah Chow and written by Joby Harold, Hannah Friedman, Hussein Amini, and Stuart Beatty. There'll be spoilers for the Obi-Wan Kenobi series up through episode three, so feel free to press pause until you're caught up. In this episode of Obi-Wan, we travel to another newly filmed Star Wars planet, the planet Mapuzo. Obi-Wan and Leia accept a ride to an Imperial starport, but are soon captured by the Imperial stormtroopers. Imperial officer Tala helps them find a secret underground route called the Path. But before they can escape, Vader and Obi-Wan have a fight in which Vader holds Obi-Wan's life in a fire. Tala distracts Vader and escapes with Obi-Wan while Reva captures Leia. It's time for question one. When Leia asks, what does the Force feel like? What does Obi-Wan say? Locked in. Locked in. I swear I watched these episodes. Locked in. All right, Nick, what do you have? It feels like a light in the darkness. And Tom? I had the same thing. Like your kind of eyes are opening up and you're seeing the, the light again. And Chris, what do you have? Have you ever been afraid of the dark? Well, it's kind of like turning on a light. Great. Points for everybody. Yep. Turning on a light. And then he, he also said something I really like. It feels safe. That, that was really cool. I never considered uh, that the, it feels safe to be with the Force. You know, I like that a lot, too. It's time for question two. What is Leia's alias? Locked in. Locked in. Locked in. Tom, what do you have? I think it's... Is it... Lutna? Nick? Luma. Chris? Luma. Ooh, Tom, I'm not giving it to you. Yeah, I know. I had an uh. N instead of an N. <laughs> I had the wrong type of nasal. That's <laughs> so close. It's time for question three. Where does the path lead? Locked in. And I guess I'm looking for a planet name if that helps. Oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. I'll lock in. I don't freaking know. I'm trying to pronounce it. <laughs> okay, I'll lock in. I got it wrong. It's something like Mabini. Mabini. All right, Tom. A Mapuso? Is that a, is that a planet? It was a planet, but that's not it. Oh, okay. Chris. Jabin. Points oh, for Chris. Okay. Here we oh, go. Then, yeah, Jabin. That's right. Mabini. Yeah, it sounded like yeah, a really... Jabin sounded like a, either a really fun type of reggae music that, or a new type of coffee. That's what I was like. <laughs> like with the mute button on, I was like, Mabini, Mabin, uh, Jabin. So going into the final question, Chris has six. Nick has three. Tom has one. Chris has to get it wrong and I got to get it right. That's right. 
And audience, I don't know if you remember from The Mandalorian, but the questions were much more specific. Like you had to memorize the Star Wars card game in order to get some of those. Yeah, you had to get the the the, the Camto. I remember it, right? The Camto, <laughs> Camto. Cream Maker. Camtono. Camtono? Is that a, whatever? <laughs> so this question may fall into that category. Son of a. It's time for question four. What kind of droid does Reva request that eventually identifies Obi-Wan? Locked in. Locked in? I'm going to lock in, assuming it's not a fancy name. Tom, what do you have? I had face recognition droid. Nick? Probe droid? Chris? It's a Viper probe droid. It is a Viper probe droid. <laughs> It's a probe droid. It's a probe droid. <laughs> Points to Chris. Well, you, you might as well give him to me, too. He still wins. <laughs> All right, but then we got to go back, and Tom and I get way more points from the Mandalorian. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you call it's your episode. Congratulations. That's why I was trying to, like, is it, I was trying to figure out if it was specific. It's mm-hmm. probe droid. <laughs> so congrats to Chris, our winner this week. We'll be diving into our topic. The Empire, there's nothing wrong with a little order right after this break. Join another Talking Studios production, Limited Lexicon, where we play through text-based adventure games. Text-based adventure games were computer games from before computers had graphics. The game uses text to describe a scene, and the player types back how they want to interact with the game. I'll read the text from the computer, and my co-host will feed me commands. This season, we're playing through The Hobbit from 1982 on the ZX Spectrum. Here's a quick sample. I thought uh, a lot about our first command, and I think it should be no print because we don't want to print things as we're going along. I think by default, it's not going to print. And even (laughs) if I did print, where is it going to print to? 1982? I would imagine if we go west, we're going to be south of the troll, right? Just south of the troll land. Yeah, let's try it. You go west. The troll's clearing. The visible... Oh, <laughs> we died. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The troll, the troll saw us and killed us. So I think we have to say the answer to the riddle then. The answer is dark. Say dark, I think. Talk to what? Golem. Gollum. Say Gollum. Dark. You talk to Gollum. Thorin says, hurry up. And we died. And we died. So we went northeast last time. So let's go southwest. You go southwest. Visible exits are north, northwest. You see the valuable golden ring. Oh. We're in here. That's perfect. That's perfect. Limited lexicon. Coming to your podcatcher and YouTube in late 2022 by Talking Studios. And we're back. Uh, Tonight, I wanted to discuss the Empire as seen in this series, and I guess specifically this episode. How do you guys feel about the Empire? I know, Tom, this is one of your favorite uh, subjects here, so (laughs) what do you guys think? I there's a Everybody should read this. It's a lot of fun. It is a 2002 article from the Washington Examiner, by what's the fellow's name by jonathan v last and it's titled the case for the empire and he lays out an argument that the the empire is actually a far better 
political system than the the republic that predated it namely because the republican senate has grown large and effective really can do anything he kind of compares it to the the un it's more of a un because it, it's just it's so ineffective it can't even handle minor conflicts between different planets um and basically you get from the emperor that he doesn't want evil but he wants basically order that that's their whole mantra right and we see that replicated in this episode when the the person who ends up taxiing obi-wan and luna says there's nothing wrong with a little order and that's yeah but this is part. right after obi-wan's describing how awesome this planet used to be i was gonna it's say a husk of a planet an environmentalist would not agree that the empire yeah. is worth it because they are known for plundering for resources, strip mining. So it, it's, yeah, KJ is absolutely right. The, the premise of this episode is definitely that it's not for the greater good. Well, we, we, we wouldn't have to strip mine planets if you didn't blow up the first Death Star. I mean, if you leave it alone, we wouldn't need another one. We wouldn't need to strip mine for mineral. You know how yeah. many minerals went into making the first one? And that hasn't I, happened I, yet. Yeah. I, and I also don't think that's a tremendously good answer, last answer, about uh, arguing for the Empire. Um, however, I understand how from an outsider's view, that is a person who isn't watching um, the most evil people walking around in black capes, choking everyone with the force, could see the empire as a welcomed alternative to the Republic. I mean, the Republic had separatists who were determined to break away. Um, there were kind of minor problems that it didn't have the capacity to deal with. It took quite a long time to get to the Senate, is my understanding, If you, even if you could go there. So the fact that the Empire manages to get into power, um, I, I think this episode shows this, isn't necessarily a huge surprise. And I understand why people outside of a clear view of what's actually going on with the Empire might say, yeah, things are being stripped mine, however, um, there is, a, uh, things are, are, or have the potential to work a little better or function a little better. Of like course. our friend Freck, yeah. Who's by the way, do you know who Freck was voiced by? Locked oh, in. Locked in, yeah, I know who it is. No, I don't know, who was it? Oh, you guys, I'm, whatever you want. Oh, it's, it's the freak, thank you. I was gonna say the Garden yeah. State guy, but yeah. 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 Um, no, I think that's a problem, right? Because, you know, the, the problem with the the Empire is that it ultimately just sort of seems to drain things that it needs and it sort of uh, leaves a lot of criminality in place. I mean, we see from future Star Wars fodder, you know, Star Wars media, that actually the, the world of the Empire still has lots of crime. You know, the, the Jabba family seems to be doing pretty well. Throughout but the they're Empire. out in the Outer Rim, so if it doesn't yeah. affect the core worlds or what they're trying to accomplish, they do kind of leave you alone. It, mm -hmm. It's one of those things where if you have a resource they want, they're going to take it. If you have nothing they want, or it's just really a bother for them to go out there and regulate, they're, they're not going to let, they're not going to bother you. They created alliances with these. There's actually, I believe it, it was in a comic where Vader actually meets with Jabba the Hutt. So mm -hmm. there was some kind of line of, 
communication and dialogue with these underworld leaders, but if they didn't step too far out of line, they kind of let them do what they needed to do. Yeah, I think any kind of political order is going to need its a modicum of corruption in order to survive. It's what Alexander Hamilton believed anyway. It's why he thought the British Constitution was so wonderful because it, it had the corruption sort of built into it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I I sort of like that. There's also an indication, not to go on and on, from uh, Reva. Is that how we say her name? Or Reva? Reva. Reva. From Reva that there is sort of a... Uh, a sort of patriotism for the empire that seems to be forming that we have not seen, I think, in other Star Wars material. There is still a sort of uh, a patriotism for the empire that's beginning to come about. And we can see that with Zach Braff's character, right? That he has a little empire logo there on the back of his his cruiser, I believe that's an Empire logo, right? Yes. <laughs> it kind of looks like a like a virus or something like that. Well, it looks it's like almost this. like a homemade one where yeah. everything we see is usually polished. Like mm. I think Freck definitely uh, procured that or made it himself. Yeah, he, it yeah. seems like he made it. But there is this sort of I don't want to call it a cult of the Empire, but there is the there is this sort of we're in the Empire and this this sort of speaks for us and this is okay. Um, yeah, that kind of patriotism is is interesting, and I love to see more of that. That just because I I think it's it's a lot of fun to well, uh, have that kind of diversity. Keep in mind, a few more years in the future, the the thought of Jedi are myth and legend. Okay, so they're completely squashed out of the zeitgeist. You know, not too far from where these you know where the show is taking place. So that shows you the power of the propaganda of the empire. And again, not to keep talking about other source material, but in the comics too, they go into these people who are literally like PR spokespersons for the empire and they twist and they create, you know, different campaigns. And as I said, propaganda. So it's well and alive part of the emperor's plan. Yeah. The uh, going back to like the, the imperial symbol, it's meant to look like a cog of a gear. So like you're a cog in the gigantic machine that is the empire. Like that's the that's what the symbol's actually supposed to represent. It's kind of hard to talk about this question now without kind of thinking that it's it's modern politics. And I don't want to talk about politics whatsoever. And all my all my stuff about Star Wars has nothing to do with today's political landscape. But I think the movies and TV shows have always focused on the empire from a certain point of view, a famous line from a new hope. And they've always focused on it from the, what, what people would parlance call the good guys, the rebels that are trying to fight the, to fight the machine, if you will. But I think like Nick was referencing to some of the ancillary stuff, some of the comic books, some of the books, some of the other media have shown it from both sides. And that there are, that there are people that like the empire because they are flourishing in it, which I mean, that's what, that's what, people want to do they want to flourish they want to be successful there are people that are languishing those are the people that are living on the planets that are being strip mined so you can you could definitely see that there are factions being built where there are people that are winning quote-unquote winning life as part of the empire and there are people that are losing life as part of the empire so there's where that conflict comes in and yeah, whether whether you like them or not, they're the ones that are in power right now, and that's that's where the struggle of the entire story comes from. But we cannot deny that they have by far the best ships out of anybody. So that's why they get my vote because their ships are <laughs> fantastic. Well, they got the budget, you know. 
going back to um, politics, but in the world of Star Wars, this is brought up in an earlier episode where we meet Leia's cousins who are clearly benefiting from the rule of the empire and don't care about the injustices such as um, Bail Organa brings up slavery in certain areas and, and, and any other kind of misdeeds. So there are people even in the political arena who are definitely pro-empire and the minority who eventually are the founders of the rebellion or at least supporters of the rebellion um, are starting to be a less vocal <laughs> about their objections. Well, I, just to, to get to that, first of all, the cousins are the children of senators, right? Is, no, they're, is my... they're, they're organons. They're, 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 they're organons. And the Senate yeah. predates the empire. It's still in existence now, but eventually it sort of goes out, right? Eventually they they cancel the Senate or, or Palpatine yeah. does. But there's still a lot of pro-empire people in they're, the Senate. In fact, the ones who are anti are a, a dwindling faction. They're a dwindling faction because you really can't be, right? There's a sort of unification around uh, uh, Palpatine at this time. Well, the Senate is a ruse in itself, right? <laughs> yeah, but it's also just- Unlimited to, power. <laughs> yeah, just to bring it up though, slavery predates the empire. We see from episode one that that's, that's an issue that the empire didn't introduce. It, it was already there. There so, were also systems that aren't covered by the Galactic Senate, if you remember, not only just the Separatists, but there are other areas. I mean, it's a big galaxy out there. Yeah, but so. there were huts in that, right? There was huts by the ETs in the... Yeah, but there were also ETs. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and yeah. I, yeah, I, I don't know, because I, I actually, that's interesting to say all the different representations that were there, but I, I don't, I can't say I'm... Uh, well versed in galactic politics pre-emperor you know? it just seems like there was a lot of moral problems that you know we might throw at the empire's feet but actually predate it and in terms of the senate can we can we flesh this out just maybe a little bit for me the relationship between the senate and the empire because it it has a sort of um, the, the comparison, I guess there's kind of two comparisons I could make, if anybody knows these, uh, not to compare everything to the 1650s, I, you know, I know it's, I love to compare things to the 1650s, but, um, uh, there, you know, uh, Oliver Cromwell, when he became basically the dictator of England. You're really he, capturing our audience. Oh, yeah. Okay, I'll stop. I'll stop. Let's, let's <laughs> no, no, continue. Oh. I, think, I think to answer the question you haven't asked yet, I think what happens is that under the Republic, the Senate is the democracy and it's the voting body and it's how they get things done. And there is a Senate leader known as the Chancellor, which is what Palpatine eventually becomes before he makes himself the Emperor. And he keeps the Senate around after he rises to Empire status, after he rises to Emperor status, I should say. Uh, he keeps the Senate around to kind of keep everybody to like keeping the ruse up to make everybody feel as if they still have a, a, a vote, that they still have a say. And the reason I the reason I say this is because if you remember from episode four, they're talking about uh, Tarkin and Darth Vader are walking into the big round room of the Dar the Death Star, and they're talking about like the regional governors will have power because the Senate has been disbanded. Like at that point, now that the Death Star is completed, the Emperor no longer feels like he needs to keep the ruse up; that he can now rule through fear as opposed to rule through manipulation. 
So I think that's why the Senate sticks around into the Empire days. It's more of a way of kind of keeping everybody calm while he continues to make his diabolical plans come to fruition. Yeah, the, the galaxy representatives think they have a voice, but there is no voice. It's the will of the emperor. Yeah, okay. That's it. Because so the, the Senate is officially canceled in episode four. So we're yes. still, we still have another. So basically after, after the, the first galactic empire is declared to exist, you still have 20 years of um, at least performative democratic rule. Yeah, you have you have eight more years from when Obi Wan happens, Obi Wan the series. You mm -hmm. have eight more years between now and Episode Four. Okay, so, so you, that's that's how much more time you have. Okay. So the Senate has still existed for about eighteen years, mm -hmm. even though they've lost all their power. Yeah. Okay. So it's really like a, a Roman Repu a R Roman Republican to the Roman Empire type of thing, where you have a Senate. You know, um, Julius Caesar is declares himself emperor in, in the first century BC. And you have a Senate, I think until like the rule of Diocletian in the, in the third century AD, it's, you know, it's just there. Mm. But in the end, Caesar calls the shots. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Until Cromwell dissolves the Senate. Right. Well, <laughs> Cromwell, well, the, the comparison was so. Come on, 1 BC, you just jumped to 1650s. KJ. Yeah, KJ. a long 18 a lot's years. Yeah. So Cromwell, what he does is. Why are you feeding into him? <laughs> I'm so Why? Sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> so I'd like to once again congratulate Cromwell, our winner. The Cromwellians. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't. I don't know who this guy is. He could be. They were next to the huts and next to ET. <laughs> he, he was there. Yeah, you don't know who Oliver Cromwell is? But this, the, uh, the episode is on like Star Wars Obi Wan Kenobi. Yeah. I don't get references from the the 1950s, let alone the 1650s. He, I think he was the most famous person in England recently. Recently. Like, <laughs> Austin Powers is more famous than him. <laughs> He's if not even like, English. <laughs> most famous British people, I think Oliver Cromwell is the most recognized name in England. I'd like to once again congratulate my vote for the senator, Chris, this week for winning this episode. Congratulations. Um, I think you'd make a fine center, whether it was the Galactic Republic or anywhere else in the galaxy. All I have to say is, this is how democracy ends, with thunderous applause. <laughs> uh, I, it's I, thundering, thank you. right? I, thank you. <laughs> Thanks. You can find more of our content wherever you listen to podcasts, on our YouTube channel, Twitter at Talking Studios, and our website, TalkingPicturesTrivia.com. We are extremely grateful for all those who like, subscribe, follow, and leave a review. Would you take a ride from Freck? Let us know on Twitter, TalkingPicturesTrivia at gmail.com, or give us a call at 201-467-8679. You can find me on Twitter at ThomasLayman15. You can find me on Twitter at KJ1000-1000. If you'd like to get a hold of me, reach out to the boys at Talking Studios on Twitter. I can also be found on Twitter at The Nicknamed. Join us next time when we may deal in absolutes with Obi-Wan Part 4. Ding, 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 ding. Okay, so I looked it up. So it's the, the 100 Greatest Britons poll from the BBC, and Cromwell is 10th on that poll. That's pretty <laughs> good, but famous... who did they poll? Brits. Yeah. <laughs> All Star Wars fans. British people, yeah. So uh, the reason why I was bringing up Cromwell is Cromwell gets put as the, the protector of the realm, but there's still a, a parliament going on and he strips it.
And then one day, in I think 1653,